Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Three, two, one, zero. Hello, welcome to episode 227, Picking the Lender. Hey, Money Clan, a warm welcome to the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. So, Kate, today we're going to do a deep dive into how we sort of went about selecting our lender for our home. Holy smokes. So if you are listening, just get ready because we are about to information dump so much onto you. And when you go to buy a home, you're going to be super, super thankful because I'm not even going to take credit for this. Dennis, you were the master at negotiating a loan. Yeah, it, it's been it's been a lot of work. And, you know, we'll chat about that this episode. And if you guys haven't heard the last week's episode, go listen to that as well where we chat a little bit about how we basically bought a house by mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Anyway, before we dive into today's show, if you guys haven't already hit us up on Instagram, we'd love to know what you're busy working on in your financial life. All right, Kate, you ready to dive right in? Yeah. Fantastic. Let's do it. All right, Kate. So diving right in, like trying to pick a lender is a really, really challenging thing. And, you know, a lot of people take it for granted. Like, what do you do? Like, do you get pre-approved? Do you just go look for houses? You know, like where do you sort of get started? So I can speak a little bit on this because going into this home purchase, I thankfully had a little bit of background knowledge because I bought my house a few years ago in Florida. And at the time, I thought I had done a really great job. And so when we were talking about buying a house and everything, I was sharing some information with you. And, you know, like any really knowledgeable person, you still went and did your homework and everything, which I was really thankful that you did that because it's nice to be able to bounce ideas back and forth with people. And when we were basically driving to see the first house that we went to see, we were like, well, we need to have a pre-approval letter because we want to make sure that we can, in fact, get this house if we love it. So we get the pre-approval. Pre-approval is pretty easy. You're basically talking to basically any kind of a lender for a home loan, obviously. And, but you don't have to like shop around for rates or anything. So you call up a a lender and they give you a pre-approval saying that you are able to buy a home for roughly this much based on your income and your job history and, and all that kind of stuff. And your credit score is a huge, huge indicator. So then you get your pre-approval, you shop around, you give your realtor your pre-approval letter, Basically, in my opinion, it's showing them that you are worth their time to take around and look for houses. Right. And then you find the house, right? And now the time comes where you have to put your money where your mouth is and your homework really starts. And one of the first things you have to do is pick a lender. 
and it can get a little a little bit dicey there. Yeah, it definitely can, Kate. And something else I just want to add as well, you know, like when you have that letter, you're in a much stronger bargaining position when you are putting in an offer to buy a home. So, you know, when you say, oh, hey, Mr. Um, Smith. Hey, Mr. Smith, <laughs> I'd like to buy your home. I am pre-approved or I have a pre-qualification or whatever it is. I have some letter showing you that I have an intent and the ability to buy what you're trying to sell. And that letter is really powerful because if someone doesn't have that, then your offer sort of stands head and shoulders above all those other offers because you're now seen as a more credible source. Right. And, you know, like you said, once you have that and once you've put in an offer and once an offer is accepted, that's really where the fun starts to begin. And when you can start really looking for a lender and trying to find who's best for you. So the first thing that I would have to say is you need to shop around. And I mean, you need to shop around. Now, hold on. What does that actually mean? Like the shop around because you're not going out, you basically Googling a bunch of different lenders. Right. And you are kind of just like pumping out your information, giving them to all these lenders, and then they reply back with their rates. And then you can kind of start doing like a compare analysis of who charges how much for X and how much for Y. And you can kind of pick the cheapest one. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, you kind of put your feelers out there and during this time, I think you have a two-week period is, is what's all That's what I've heard about. as well. But you have two weeks that you can basically get your credit pulled as many times within the, that two-week period. And it will get pulled a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I was looking at my credit score the other day and I had like seven hits on my mm -hmm. inquiries, like hard inquiries that they had pulled my credits. And it's never normally that high, you know. But the reason it was so high was because we're obviously supplying our information to all the lenders that they can pull our credit, they can see whether we're trustworthy or not, and then start making a decision. Now, Kate, the nice thing is, even though there's so many hits to your credits, that only counts once because you're still within a two-week period. Right. So your score is not going to plummet because typically, if you're trying to open up lots of accounts within a short time period, that is a red flag for lenders. And they will then say, uh-uh, I'm not going to lend you money because you seem to just be getting as many offers as you can. And that's not great. But fortunately, you know, everyone understands that when you're buying a home, you need to shop around. So there's this two-week period that you can really send out your information to all these different lenders and start getting some quotes in. Right. So some of the things to look out for. So when you do get your information back from the lenders, they'll often, you know, send you this quote sheet. And a lot of the quote sheets are very, very similar between different lenders. And there's a good reason for that. Like they're legally, well, they're obligated to give it to you in a certain format, a format that you can easily compare and make educated decisions and that they are very transparent about the fees that they're charging you. So one of the other things that we were looking at is whether we were wanted to get a 30-year fixed or a 15-year fixed. And the reason we were looking for fixed loans is because right now interest rates are quite low mm -hmm. and we want to lock in a good rate instead of getting an adjustable rate or floating rate. 
And, you know, in times when interest rates may be a bit higher, it sometimes is more beneficial to choose that kind of a loan. Also, if you don't intend on staying in the property for a long period of time, then it also might make sense to do an adjustable. But if you're doing it for a long period of time and you intend on staying in that house for quite a while, you want to go for a fixed because, you know, you're going to lock in a good rate and that rate will never change. Your monthly payment will never change for that mortgage. Right. So let's talk about that 15 to 30 year difference because you see all the time, at least I get ads on Facebook all the time where you do the 15 year fixed instead of the 30 year. And it, you know, it even has like pictures of like a dog out on the, in the rain with the 30 year fixed. And then, you know, a dog like laying on a pillow with the 15 insinuating that the 15 year is so much better. Right. And in our scenario, you crunched the numbers and that wasn't the case. Yeah. So Kate, it's really interesting, you know, so when we were applying for all these different loans, we inquired from almost every lender about the 15 year versus the 30 year, what the difference would be in the interest rates and everything else. And to be honest with you, like you can only typically do that if you're buying a home or the loan value is not at the stretching end of your budget. So mm -hmm. if you're not like maxing out about 30% of your budget on your home, if you're below than that, you can start having the option to look at the 15 year. And we really wanted to do that because we didn't want lifestyle creeping. Well, yeah. And like the thing is you, you pay a higher amount per month, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a forced amount that you're paying into the loan. And because it's only over 15 years, you pay a lot more money against the principal balance instead of paying interest. Right. And you get a lower interest rate. So, you know, it, it really it really does look good on paper to take mm -hmm. the 15 year because, you know, like it's it's only 15 years and 15 years is not a long time compared to 30 years. And it's only, you know, a little bit more. It doesn't double the price, you know, because you're saving on all the interest. So it definitely comes pretty close that you're like, uh, which one am I going to go for? You know, and, you know, okay, it's, at the end of the day, you need to figure out what's right for you and what your strategy is with your investing. And that's where the real decision comes in as to should you be investing or should you be paying off your home loan? And before we dive into that answer, now is going to be a great time to take a very short break and say a very big thanks to our sponsor. So then the hardest part of the whole coronavirus pandemic is having to rearrange how your life is going to look semi-normal from now on for the foreseeable future. And a big part of that is just going out and doing little things that you took advantage of before, like doing your errands and going to the post office. And, you know, now everybody is so consumed with keeping six plus feet apart from each other and not touching anything. It's really stressful. Yeah, Kate. And that's why we're so happy that we've teamed up with Stamps.com because they bring everything the post office can do to your personal computer. You're able to send packages, you know, do everything that you would ordinarily do. And it's right from the convenience of your computer. And Kate, the best part about it as well is you can actually save money on what you would have paid had you have gone to the post office. Like as an example, you can save up to 40% on shipping. So basically what I'm hearing you say is with stamps.com, I can mail all my packages from home for cheaper and not worry about having to get sick. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. It's such a win. And if you guys would like to get access to a four-week trial plus a scale shipped right to you, you can take advantage of that offer by heading on over to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in chain of wealth, one word. So you'll get access to a four-week trial plus a free scale and that's without any long-term commitment. That's stamps.com, enter chain of wealth. It's definitely a no-brainer if you're running a small business. For sure. All right, Kate. So coming back from the break, you know, like it really is a big decision in terms of what you want to do. So here's the thing, right? We crunch the numbers and the way it works out for us, and it'll work out like this for most people, unless you have a very strange situation. But once again, if you do need specific financial advice, you should be chatting to someone that is registered to give you advice. What I'm going to tell you now is not specific to your situation. So do seek legal, well, not legal, financial advice if you do need help with your situation. But what it simply worked out was if we were going to get a 15-year, we were going to be paying about Mm 3.2%. And that's with excellent credits. Versus a 30-year, we were closer to about the 3.7, 3.8 range. Okay. And, you know, that's quite a big difference. You know, say 0.5%, that's big. That's big, big, big numbers if you, if you look over it over a long period of time. So you would have paid significantly less interest if you took the 30-year. But here's the kicker. If you took that money that you were going to pay into that loan – and you rather took that money and you invested it and you put it into the, the stock market or any other sort of, you know, mutual funds or even your max out your IRAs, your 401ks. If you were to rather focus on those sort of things, the average return of the stock market is roughly in the 7%, 8% range. So you could be paying off your loan much quicker or you could start building up your retirement savings and you'll, you know, like build up a quite a bit of a nest egg. And, you know, over the same 30 year period, we crunched the numbers based on our current savings rate and everything else. And long story short, after doing all the analysis, by choosing the 30 year mortgage, even with a higher interest rate, we will have an extra million dollars in 30 years time just because we invested the money instead of paying the loan off quicker. Now, what we assume as well is after 15 years, you no longer have a payment on your loan. So -hmm. you can take that full payment and start investing it. But because of the power of compounding, you rather want to have less money invested earlier on because it gives that money a chance to grow and compound. And that's really where the compounding effect comes in and how powerful it is. We will have an extra million dollars in our accounts if we go for the 30-year loan. I will say when I told my mom that, it was just silence on the other end of the line because she was just like, oh, all right. Well, that, okay. Well, it sounds like you guys have really done your homework. So with that in mind, and now we have decided the length of the loan, what were some of the things that you kept your eye on when we went to choose the loan because you did a really great job. 
So, okay, the first thing, you know, was the, the down payments, right? And we had enough money saved for about an 8% down payments on the loan, which, you know, if you're going to be paying less than, than 20%, you're going to be paying PMI. So that's also a consideration. But, you know, once again, after crunching the numbers, it works out that we'll have significantly more money if we just pay the minimum 5% down on the conventional loan. And the reason is for that, it, once again, the compounding effect, you take that money and you invest it and you make it work for you instead of paying off your loan, you're in a much better position. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, like this will be very different for someone who has credit card debt and that's got a very high percentage because credit card debt is typically you're looking at 18 to 25% a year. Now there it's more in your interest to pay off the credit card because the interest rate is so much higher. Also, even if you, you got maybe a car loan and that's at seven or 8%, that's about the same as you get in the stock market. But here's the thing, the returns in the stock market are not guaranteed. So you'd probably be better off rushing to pay that off instead of, you know, like investing the money. But for our position, it works out a lot better to say, let's only put 5% down because we'll have more money left over that we can start investing it and actually doing something with it. So that was the first thing. We, we deliberately made a decision to not put more money down. The other thing was negotiate everything. and have, Everything. And do not let anybody bully you. Yeah. And, and, you know, we literally sent out like seven or so different lenders that gave us information. And we looked at all the different things. We compared the different fees that they charge. We even compared the PMI cost that they have. And to be honest with you, like a lot of the lenders said to us, PMI is what it is. And a lot of the lenders were the same on PMI. Guess what? All it takes is one lender to go down <laughs> on PMI and suddenly everyone else can do it as well. It's the most amazing thing in the world. <laughs> anyway, so we negotiated PMI down. We negotiated our processing fees and got them to match other people. And we did eventually go with the lender that our realtor recommended. You know, and that was because they just happened to match it. They were a local lender. And, you know, we thought it would be a good decision to stick with them. You know, the thing is, you also want to make sure that you will close on time and they have a good reputation. They'll be able to close on time. So that was also a big consideration for us. Mm -hmm. But it's very important to understand that. And Kate, another thing that's important as well is on these loan sheets, there's APR. And the APR is different to the interest rate. The APR tells you what the effective interest rate is that you're paying, including all the fees. So that's a transparent number. And that's a good number to compare between different lenders. So compare the APR. Yeah, compare the APR between different lenders because the fees that they can charge vary dramatically and you don't understand how different they can really be. But at the end of the day, we managed to get our loan down, our interest rate down to 3.65%, which I thought was really good. And because there was an issue on the inspection and we managed to negotiate a little bit further, we managed to get a credit from the seller as well. Again, everything is negotiable. Everything's negotiable. All you have to do is ask. So what ended up happening is they credited us enough for us to buy one point for the loan as well. So explain that because this point thing I know is very common, but for some reason I'm having a hard time understanding this. Yeah, Kate. So a point, like one point is equal to 0.25%. So we managed to get our interest rate down from 365 to 3.35. Okay. You basically pay the interest up front when you buy a point. And a point is equal to 1% of the value. 
of okay. the loan. I was like, wait, but one point, that would be three to two. Right. Yeah, no, so, no, no. Okay. It's, it's 0.25% okay. Okay, of fair. a percentage. All right. But that makes a big difference. And, you know, just, by, sure. just by us using that one point, we saved ourselves $100,000 over 30 years. And that just goes to show you how powerful it can be. You know, we were also given the option to prepay the PMI. But once again, if you rather take that money and you rather invest it, PMI is only 1%. So it's actually not that much. So our strategy with this loan is to pay as little as possible and just do it over the 30 years. In the meantime, take the balance that we would have had and start investing it and start making that money work for us. Right. So do you have any questions for me? We got just about a minute left. Um, yes, I do. With this home buying process, I don't remember if I asked you on the last episode, what is something that you have learned from this whole experience so far? Kate, I would have to say the one biggest takeaway I've had is ask questions. You know, just because there's a fee written down doesn't mean that there's a reason for it. And a lot of people try to charge bogus fees and if you negotiate and you ask questions and you tell them, quite frankly, no, I'm not paying that. And it, it literally can just be like that. <laughs> very often you can make stuff disappear. So I would say my biggest takeaway is ask a lot of questions and know what the numbers are. So basically, I just heard you say, negotiate. And then if you don't like it, say, no, I'm not going to pay it. And negotiate and then, again. And negotiate it again. And then usually it... it works in your favor. Exactly. People want to people want to sell their homes, people want to buy homes, people want to make commissions, people want the deal to work. So, when you're buying a home, you have leverage and you're only in that position for a limited amount of time, so you definitely have to use it. Good advice. Thank you. Cool. Well, I think that basically sums up for today's episode. A huge crash course in <laughs> selecting a lender. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and hit us up on Instagram if you have any questions. It's at Chain of Wealth on Instagram. <laughs>